All right, gals and pals, game on. It's time for the Sports Gal Pal Podcast, where we help gals and their pals come together over sports. Don't hate the game, love the game, or at least find out why he loves it so much. Now your host, the Sports Gal Pal herself, Ramona Rice. Well, hey there, Gal Pal Nation. Welcome to another episode of the Sports Gal Pal Podcast, where I help you understand why the sports fans in your life scream at the TV during a game, especially if it's UVA and Syracuse. My God. I'm your host, Ramona Rice. You can connect with me on Twitter at Sports Gal Pal and, of course, SportsGalPal.com. And my guest today, I had never before an interview laughed so hard in my life. The amount of tweeting that he and I have done to just make this interview happen is just a, a sheer miracle. Um, and just, just, he's hilarious. So Seth Everett is my host, is my just awesome guest today. He is a baseball insider. He's on NBC Sports Radio. He's a contributor for sportsblog.com. Um, he has his own network here on Blog Talk Radio and a bunch of cool podcasts that we'll get into. He's a certified geek, Devils fan, dad, husband, and all around awesome guys. So Seth, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, your laughter is uh, music to my ears. And by the way, you had to mention <laughs> that I was married that quickly. I mean, can we just have an illusion here? Can we? It's theater of the mind. I'm out there, ladies. <laughs> I'm so sorry to ruin it for you. Boy, See, you're going to be laughing so hard. I can't actually do my job. And then hey, here's, gonna my, be really here's my special guest. You got no shot with him. See ya. <laughs> they're like nope never mind well again the show is all about really a lot of wives listen to get insights on how to understand their sports loving husbands oh, so I'm it's important to know i wish i was as popular with my wife as i, as I am with other wives i i think a lot of men share your sentiment not with your wife specifically but with theirs so i oh, like to yeah, yeah. start every <laughs> <laughs> i like to start every episode kind of with the same question um because i think that especially for you who you know you're in a whole different side of sports than a lot of sports fans because you're actually in the media so your relationship with sports is very different than the typical fan but how did you get into sports how did I get into sports well I was a sports fan growing up um you know I, when I was a kid I I always joke about how I know everything about the 1983 and 84 Yankees uh but by the 1987 Yankees I didn't know anything because I had discovered girls and I was, get this, uh, uh, sports was always a, a very, very special thing to me. Um, I was a, I was a big baseball fan. I was a huge hockey fan. I actually moved to New Jersey the same day uh, the Colorado Rockies hockey team moved to New Jersey. Um, so I, I, I've been a fan of them since like minute one. I voted for the team name, you had a little thing you could cut out in the newspaper and mail it in, and I did. It was 1982, and um, it was a it was a, a great experience. And then when I went to college, I wanted to get into broadcasting. I knew that I wanted to get into the media, whether it was television or radio. I wasn't sure. I liked the media, but I wanted to be a political reporter. I I never I, sports was fun. I, I liked sports, but I, I didn't see the same draw to it. The thing I found out, though, was paying your dues. And I, I'll tell you this quick story. I know that I learned the story of Dan Rather. There's this great Robert Redford movie that's about Dan Rather. I wonder if they get into his origin, because his origin in the media, he was a reporter. Walter Cronkite was the CBS anchor. And Dan Rather happened to be in Dallas when John F. Kennedy was killed. And we learned this in school. And I was like, 
Wow. So Dan Rather got his start. Dan Rather became the anchor of the CBS Evening News because he happened to be there during a tragedy. I said, well, that's not what I want to be. I don't want to be the person that has to go cover. I'm all for paying dues. I've paid my share of dues. I could tell you the war stories. But they were all sports. None of them were I had to go cover the murder on Fourth Avenue or I had to go cover you know, the kidnapping of two kids or something horrific. I never wanted to be somebody you felt that you were compelled to watch or listen. I wanted you to watch or listen because you wanted to be entertained. And that's how I gravitated towards sports. Sports fans are passionate. We get into these huge debate, but we're not debating world peace. We're not figuring out the deficit. We're not doing any of those things. And that's the beauty of it. So that's, that's kind of the way I got into sports media. And then from there, sports broadcasting is so ridiculously competitive that I think the competition itself fueled me, to which now I, uh, I you know, now I just care about my kids. <laughs> I don't care about the media anymore. <laughs> I think it's awesome, though. And, you know, it's something when you said, you know, you're not debating things like world peace or, you know, really important issues. One thing that I say, um, you know, to people, especially women who ask me, I don't, you know, how can you like sports? I can't stand it. So boring. I'm like, it's time with my husband where we're not talking about our bills or our kids or right, really serious right. issues. We're talking about plays and that, you know, we're pl- talking about a game and it's fun if you know what you're talking about. Sometimes yeah, Slingbox has helped about. that a lot. Slingbox has helped me a lot um, because what I'll do is I will watch a show with my wife and I'll have a game on. So I, I'm, I'm keeping an eye, but I have a different motivation. I'm not doing it for a, because I'm a fan. I'm doing it because I probably have to go on the radio and discuss it. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's a different mentality. I would say if I'm watching hockey, that's entertainment. If I'm watching baseball, there's a pretty good chance it's work. And if I'm watching football, it's probably work also. I mean, I have extensive history covering football, but I'm not covering football right now. So if I put on a football game, unless it's a Syracuse, you know, unless it's a Syracuse game, then you know, I, I'm pretty much watching it because I'm rooting for somebody or some person, or I have some kind of interest in the team. Or like the fact of this Saturday, we just wanted the game to end. Um, so I don't know if you realize this. I'm actually a well, graduate. You, you know that the overtime, yeah, you, Syracuse played Virginia. I didn't know this at the time or else I would have trash-topped you. I, I, <laughs> I didn't know. But that overtime went on during the seventh inning of game two of the American League Championship Series where the, the Blue Jays blew their 3 nothing lead and the Royals came back. And the problem is I didn't see any of it live. Because this cockamamie overtime wouldn't end. Just stop already. Like, you <laughs> score, I'll score. Who cares to score? It was such a waste of my energy. I, I had no – I didn't care that we lost. I just wanted to change the channel. And it was, it was <laughs> one of those things. And then everybody says, oh, but the Blue Jays lost. And I went, you have got to be blanking, blanking me. Like, <laughs> like, oh, my God. Hey, I know a trick to, to do that. Um, there's a town in Illinois. I'll, t- I'll teach you a little trick. Um, there's a town in Illinois called Effingham, Illinois. And there's uh-huh. a town in Wisconsin called Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Uh-huh. If I can say, you got to be Effingham, Sheboygan, me, you know exactly what it is. 
<laughs> that's funny. That must be an old broadcasting tip. That's fun. It's an old, I'll try it's this an old bit. It's an old bit. Yeah, I actually have season tickets to UVA football, and we didn't go because for several reasons. Um, the main reason is is that it was going to be super cold, and I'm not ready for super cold yet because I'm living in Virginia, and it's not supposed to get super cold until like late November, December. Sure. And not that, but Virginia football is awful. It's terrible to watch. I mean, I sat in the rain for the Boise State game going, what am I doing with my life? I mean, I tweeted that, and then Jerry um, Radcliffe, the um, great um, columnist at the Daily um, Progress, which is Charlottesville's paper where UVA um, resides, he retweeted me, and I'm going, what am I doing with my life? Like, we've gotten our money's worth because we saw Notre Dame play, so I'm good. Because that was really why we bought the season tickets this year, because my husband's a Notre Dame fan, and he's always wanted to see them, you know, live. He saw them once at Wake Forest, and he wanted to see them again. I'm like, fine, we will pay the season tickets because it's cheaper to buy season tickets than it is to buy them on the street. And that proved to be true. And um, But now I'm just going, there is no sense for me to drive three hours and deal with all the nonsense that is Mike London and Steve Fairchild and their god-awful play calling. And had I sat there for three overtimes, I, I might have lost my mind. So I chose not to, and I actually did watch the baseball game instead. I'm purposely choosing to not watch UVA football at this point. I'll probably go back up for another couple games, um, but I, I'm ready for a new regime. But I thought that was interesting. I, I, I'm kind of glad you didn't know <laughs> I was a UVA grad. Not, um, at, the it'll be way- not at the time I didn't know. Yeah, it'll be way better. Um, well, not really, because college basketball, you guys might not be really relevant because of the um, you know, whole sanctions thing, which stinks. Yeah, because um, yeah, one of my favorite sense. memories, one of my favorite recent memories, is us kicking your butt at JPJ. Um, that great magical time when you guys were what practically undefeated. That was fantastic. That was a great day. Um, you know, anytime you can be Jim Beheim, it was fantastic. So yeah. Um, you know, how do you feel Jim about Beheim was recently, Jim Beheim was recently at an event that I attended. Uh, about three weeks ago from the time that we're recording this. Um, it was a really unique event. Um, Syracuse has this great radio station, uh, WAER, that, um, that you know, a lot of icons worked at. And they created about five years ago the WAER Hall of Fame. And uh, this year the inductee was none other than Bob Costas. And so they inducted Bob Costas. They had it at 30 Rockefeller Plaza in, in one of the NBC buildings. And um, Jim Beheim was there. And everyone was like, are you going to ask him about the suspension? Nope. Are you going to ask him about the suspension? And I'm thinking to myself, this is a room full of journalists. And nobody wanted to ask him. Uh, it was a very strange uh, feeling to, to see him. Uh, but, um, yeah, they, he's suspended, I guess, for nine games. And uh, But they're the nine games where they're going to play, like, marathon oil and stuff like that. So, I yeah. don't know what kind of an impact it'll really have. And, you know, I, I'll tell you this. I, the, the, the college basketball, since the realignment, um, has lost a, a huge uh, thing with me. Um, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. I, without the Big East, it's, it's just dropped down a peg on my priority list. I still support the school, and, I, you know, I'm a fan. But uh, I, used to, to, I used to, like, make the Big East tournament that was one of the first events I ever covered. The Big East tournament was one of the neatest events to ever attend. It's so much fun, and the rivalries were so cool, and it was such a unique thing. I, I highly recommend the ESPN 30 for 30, the Requiem for the Big East, to see the Big East in its heyday. And I didn't even see it in its heyday. I saw it in the 90s. It was bigger in the 80s. But without the Big East, I, no offense to Virginia 
or Duke or North Carolina, I could care less. I don't need to play your schools. It's not interesting. It feels like non-conference to me. And last year they didn't play in the ACC tournament, and I didn't miss anything. I was fine with it. It was like, I, what, was spring training going on? Is there a hockey game I could watch? Like, it doesn't hold the same value, which is really random because if we had done this 10 years ago, I was so into it. I was such a fan because I was proud of my, my alma mater, but I was also a fan. It was so much fun. Like the national championship in 03, that was really, really cool. None of it. it like, even if they have success, it's not that big a deal. Do you think that comes from you just getting, you know, more mature, older, different priorities, or is it because of what you do for a living? Because I find that, you know, now that, and again, what I do compared to what you do is way different. Let's be really clear. I'm a girl in my walk-in closet talking through a microphone <laughs> for one show, whereas you have, have multiple we, shows. Is that, is, is, that discussed, or is that discussed <laughs> on the podcast that you do this from a closet? Are we getting um, into that? Discussed- Hold on, this. Ask I- your question, and I can ask a follow up about this. this All right, you can ask a follow up in the walk-in closet. But you know, is it is it different for you? Because and you said this, like again, hockey for you is pure entertainment, but the rest of it's work. I mean, do you get any joy from uh, the other sports at all? Like like a traditional fan would, and do you feel the kind of agony of defeat like the traditional sports fans do? I'm gonna. I hate to be a buzzkill. Um, but I, I'll be honest with you. You seem like you'd rather me be honest than, than not. This has been an incredibly challenging baseball season for me. Uh, this is my 19th year covering baseball. But this year, um, on Father's Day, um, my best friend and my broadcast partner for years and uh, a guy that I probably texted with every baseball game I've ever seen for the last 15 years uh, was tragically killed on Father's Day. Uh, His name was Daryl Hamilton. He was a former outfielder uh, in Major League Baseball, played for the Texas Rangers and then the Mets and the Milwaukee Brewers and the Colorado Rockies and uh, San Francisco Giants also. And um, he was my partner from 03 to 07. And after he was my partner, he became my best friend. And he was killed in this this horrific murder-suicide thing where uh, he he wasn't the murderer. He He was killed. And then the person who killed him killed herself. And... Once that happened, I, I have to be honest, I, I have trouble watching it. Every time I watch a baseball game, I think of him. And it's a constant reminder. And I think I'm doing okay. I, I think I'm, I'm functioning. I, I, I think I'm mourning in the proper channels. I think that I'm mentally fine. But watching baseball is torture for me. I have gone to probably 15 games since then. And I like being at the ballpark and seeing people. I can tell you great stories about players that have come over to me, but people knew me synonymous with him. And not having him to talk to, he was my source for so much information. I was his source for so much information. Um, we were so uh, codependent that I, I, I don't like it. I wanted this season to be over. I would have no problem. If, if they told me that there was a strike, I'd rather cover that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I don't like – once the first pitch is thrown, I don't get the same thrill out of it. I'm not saying forever. I just need a break. I need this season to be over, and I need to refocus. And I hate to be a buzzkill because I tried to make you laugh, but you asked for honesty, and I, I, that, that's, that's what dominates my thoughts. 
that is so interesting. I had something very similar happen to me this summer. Um, my husband's best friend and the godfather of our children, and I talked about this on the podcast. So I'm not saying anything my audience doesn't know. Um, he died of pancreatic cancer at 37, and he was a huge sports fan. And he was my guy. He's a UNC. He was a UNC fan, Notre Dame fan. And the Notre Dame game was particularly hard for us because we had all planned to go together. So we let his brother have the ticket and he came, but it was still like bittersweet. I completely, I completely get it. Like I'm, you know, we're gearing up for college basketball and he was a huge UNC fan. And he, I think he loved the fact that Virginia was getting better because he would text me every day, different nonsense. And I missed that. I completely, yeah, completely sure. get it. And, and it just completely changes the way you look at things. You know, I, I used to joke that, you know, like after Virginia lost to Michigan State in March, you know, I went through the stages of grief. And then after Matt died, I was like, what a brat was I? Th- that That is nothing compared to, you know, the emotion that all of us are still dealing with. I, I completely, Seth, completely get it. And I yeah. think that's what people don't realize when they're not sports fans is that, Yes, it is fun and it's a game, but it becomes a part of us. Like, it's my identity. And I think that's why we care about it so much. You know, we use adjectives. It's, it's funny, like we and our and my team and we need to do this when none of us really have any, like, sway in what happens I, I in an organization anyway. Yeah, I tease people for for always saying we because I always say, uh, what jersey number are you? Uh, where, where, where do you play? Um it's funny. People ask me who my favorite baseball team is. And I always say, uh, if their logo is on my check, I am a very big fan. Nice. <laughs> I, I, I've worked for four teams. I've worked for four teams. I worked for the league office. Um, when I, I got in trouble once. All right. I got out live in this podcast. Um, I, when my first daughter was born, I was working for the commissioner's office and I was also doing Fox sports radio. And one of the hits I did, one of the first hits I did after my first child was born is the host said to me, well, what's your daughter's favorite team going to be? And I said, well, as an official Major League Baseball employee, I'm going to say that I have to complete, have complete objectivity. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a circle with all 30 hats, and as soon as she's ready to crawl, whatever hat she crawls <laughs> that's her team. And I that's said fantastic. that, and then I, I said, well, good luck, Kansas City Royals. And people in Kansas City got so offended why, why are you going to pick on us? I wasn't picking on you. I was just trying to be funny. I, I, it just sounded funny. Like, I wasn't I wasn't doing but people, man. And this was before Twitter. Like, could you imagine what that would have been like with, with Twitter? But, yeah. <laughs> it would have been fantastic. It was very funny. Like, Good luck, Kansas City Royal. And, um, yeah, so – and it's been very strange because in the, in the short lives that my – I have a seven-year-old and an almost four-year-old, and I've worked for two teams since then. And I do think my big one is very confused as to who to root for because in 2011 I worked for the Philadelphia Phillies and I loved it. It was a it was a great experience. Um, a weird turn of events happened and I and I had to leave and I wound up working for the New York Mets in 2014. And I had to travel with them, so the Mets I think were a, a cause for disdain because that would be why my you know daddy's not home. And I was not home ever. I mean, I did 162 games, and I traveled on all the road trips. I was I was gone for six months, and I can't say I, – I think my daughter is very confused. And now that I don't work for the Mets, I have no rooting interest in them whatsoever. Um, my daughter doesn't know what to tell her friends. Like, she's very confused. And one of these days I'm going to have to tell her, like, look, 
if you want, I'll make a circle with all the hats and you can just walk to any one you want. Just pick the one that you, <laughs> you like the best color because I was supposed to do that when you were six months old anyway. Yeah, no, I, I, my dad is a, um, it, for example, he's a New York Giants fan. I'm right now wearing Brian Westbrook's jersey because I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. So he did not yes, take in. Yes, but you're in, in a closet. So if you wanted to change, you could do it in two seconds. I could do it, but I have a plethora of Eagles jerseys to choose from. So you as a dad, I mean, but again, if you don't have strong ties to a team, it's okay. Let, let your children pick what they want to. My children are firmly into the Eagles and UVA, which could be disastrous. Um, I feel really bad for them this football season because it's not been fun. Um, but yes, I am in a walk-in yeah. closet. You, you are fascinated about, it's not like a Jay Billis closet where it's awesome shoes. I mean, I have awesome shoes, but not as many as he does. Um, but no, but yeah, I, I, what I'm picturing. I'm picturing you like sitting here talking to me and you're like oh those look nice i wonder if these shoes go with that outfit oh i wonder what and I'm, that's what i'm picturing I, I, I i'm sitting at a desk i have two computer screens over i i would tell you if you cared what my web browser is open to but that's all i have to look at whereas for you you have all your options like a woman's closet that's a detailed place there's a lot of stuff there well, I'm actually facing my husband's shoe rack. So really, I'm looking at his shoes. And so I don't oh, care. That's, that's, um, that's very, so, guys and guys and girls, they're, they're very different. You can talk about it's a quality Billet. all you like. Yeah, yeah, the quality all you like. You keep mentioning Jay Billet. Does he have nice shoes? I've never oh my seen gosh. Jay Billet. Oh my gosh, his shoe collection is ridiculous. So he has a new pair of sneakers like every day. I, I have visions. I've never seen his closet. Um, I would love to. Jay, if you ever happen to listen to um, Sports Gal Pal, seriously, just invite me to Charlotte. I won't be a stalker. You don't even have to be there. Just have somebody squirt me through just so I can see the shoes and then get out. Because he does. Like he wears <laughs> the coolest sneakers ever. And so it's always like, what is he wearing? So like it's another benefit of, of being a huge college basketball fan as I am. Because I am a huge college I basketball see. fan. I had no problem with the Big East dissolving. I, me personally, because I'm an ACC girl. So I was like, oh, oh, well, sorry for you guys. Let's bring the best ones in. And that's what we did. Right. <laughs> and so now the ACC sure. is basically awesome. Well, I'll tell you something about college sports. Um, I, I've done this, uh, especially on a national level. I don't think college sports are covered correctly. I think that um, when, when people do college sports, I've hosted national shows. I, I used to have this Saturday morning show on Fox Sports Radio, and in football season, they would go do heavy college. And just instinctively, you, with the first couple of weeks, I would talk about the top 25. I would talk about the national – this is when the BCS was going on, and it was the, the national championship ramifications of each week. And what I found from talking to listeners is that the audience doesn't care. The audience does not care – like a, a Virginia fan does not care about Oregon. Michigan fan does not care about Texas. People need to recognize that in college, it is your local world. And local should dominate college athletics. College athletics, you, if you gloss over it, if I, if I want to talk about a team right now, you know, I'm very interested in what's wrong with Alabama. Nobody cares about that. Like people will tell you they want to know about the Buckeyes. They want to know about the Longhorns. It, it's a very curious thing. That's why I think college ratings don't compare to the NFL. I think in the NFL, people care about everybody, and I think there's a gambling aspect to it. And you don't gamble in college the, the same way. So if you, it, the NFL, college is like the NFL without gambling. 
And what people find is the interest level is very unique. College sports, and this is a basketball thing. This is a the same thing in the basketball. In basketball, 64 teams are going to get selected to the NCAA tournament. No, no one cares who the other 63 are as long as my, my school is one of them. And it's a very unique thing, and it's there's no pro sport to compare it to. No, there's not. And I feel like it's so interesting because, like, I've obviously been to a ton of college um, athletics. And then when you go to pro athletics, it's so different, um, you know, because with college, it is, it, the fans are crazier. We do crazier things. And the traditions and the amount of stuff people are willing to do, like, they talk about, you know, the whole, like, intention to cheat you know, with Tom Brady and the whole deflate gate thing, which I never want to really talk about again, but I brought it up just because of context. But sure. think about the amount of stuff boosters who didn't even go to the school are willing to do to get an advantage for amateur athletics. It's crazy. And it, it, it's insane. And my theory is, it's funny, I did this as an undergraduate project at, at UVA, was that we, again, it, you know, secular schools, schools, you know, at a collegiate level that don't really have a religious identity will use athletics as a religious-like identity. And so if you've ever been to, like, a college game, which obviously you have, we all dress the same, we do the tailgate, they ask for donations, we all sing the same songs, the um, people who donate more get better access to the minister and closer seats to the pulpit. Um, sure. You know, it's very similar to it, whereas pro sports, it's kind of, I mean, yeah, you've got some corporate sponsorships and all, but it's an even playing field. You know, you buy it to, you know, to, to take that one step, though, to take that one step further. Um, there was some who was the guy that said the, the big quote that said those are the two places. Oh, it was David Stern, who I'm not a huge fan of. David Stern said it's the only two places of congregation, the, 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 the synagogue, the, the church or the sports stadium. And it's one of the big things that people need to cherish because the community needs to hold on to that because in this day and age of HDTV and iPhones and, and, and all the technology, the sports fan experience at the ballpark has diminished. Absolutely. And I think there's nothing like, I always tell my amateur sports fans, sports fans who are just not getting into it. They ask me, you know, how do I get more into it? I'm like, go to a live game, particularly baseball. Like we have got a great AAA affiliate here, the Norfolk Tides, which is a AAA Uh affiliate for the Baltimore Orioles. I'm not an Orioles fan. I'm agnostic when it comes to baseball, but I love going to baseball games because there's nothing like it. (laughs) There's nothing like it though. Like live baseball is fun. I mean, there's so much to do, particularly like, I feel like minor league and down. I mean, they're, they're awesome with families that's much more affordable they've got crazy zoo things that happen and contests and you do silly things and there's beer so what could be i mean i i could be wrong yeah Uh, minor league baseball minor league baseball is a lot of fun i've been to a half a dozen um uh, minor league stadiums i will say i started my career in the minors my first job uh in baseball was with the um in the new york pen league uh it was with auburn up in upstate new york and um it was a great experience. It was really cool. And the players I met there, what, you know, a handful of them wound up having major league careers and we became the best of friends. I mean, Julio Lugo and uh, Ramon Castro, the manager, was Manny Acta, who wound up managing the Indians. And it was really wild because this was you know, 20 years ago and yet people still remember and, and people always remembered where they were in the minor leagues. Although the bus rides, I will say, 
did tell me that I did want to do major leagues. <laughs> major <laughs> league travel, major league travel, much better than minor league travel. We'll say. I, I bet, I bet. How do you like? Because you know, again, this is the first time we've ever spoken live, but we we tweeted and stuff. You seem like a pretty normal guy, but you hang out with people who are exceptional. I mean, let's be let's face it. I mean, you just casually dropped in. Yeah, I was at a function with Bob Costas. I mean, it's Bob Costas. You know, I mean, <laughs> but I, was, just, I wasn't name dropping. I I don't want to be known as the name dropper. And you're not. You never name drop. No, no, I didn't mean like that. But you happen to be like with you know you, you know people that we. No, mere mere normal people like aspire to like meet or be or do and you're just kind of around them like you know you're able to call like Eli Man- Manning a friend because you guys did a charity event together you know wow um, yeah you paid attention very good yeah so I mean but you're you able hear, to do you that great Eli Manning, you hear great Eli Manning story? always always uh Eli well first of all how I know Eli Manning is really really cool my um my wife's uh grandfather uh, was on the board of directors for this charity. They, um, if you ever watch the Today Show and you see their dog, um, what's the dog's name? It's their, it's their, they're training a dog. It's going to be a guide dog. The charity is called right. Guiding Eyes for the Blind. Uh, Wrangler, Wrangler. And um, the Today Show is they've been working with the Today Show. That's why I'm just trying to trigger for your audience. Um, so uh, this charity event. Uh, they used to have this charity golf tournament, and my wife's grandfather passed away. This was like 12 or 13 years ago. Passed away, and they invited our whole family to the event. Well, Ken Venturi, the acclaimed golfer, was the host of this event, and he retired, and he stopped doing it. There's a there, Part of the charity's event is a blind golf tournament, which, folks, Google this. This is the coolest thing in the freaking world. Blind golf is so fascinating. But anyway, um, one of the amazing blind golfers is this gentleman by the name of Pat Brown. Pat Brown's son, his name is Patrick, you know, because you're from Louisiana and everybody's got junior and senior and the third and this one. So anyway, Pat Brown's, right, Pat Brown's son, Patrick. Patrick was high school best friends with Eli Manning. Pat Brown is friends with Archie Manning. They're from the same town in Louisiana. At this event, they said, you know, Pat Brown makes this passing comment. He's a blind gentleman who is a fascinating guy. And he just says in passing, he says, I'll see if Archie will tell Eli to do it. Eli had just been drafted by the New York Giants. Remember, they, well, he, San Diego drafted him and then they traded him to the Giants, Phil Rivers, whatever. And it was like, Okay, sure. Like if that could happen. Meanwhile, they asked me because they had found out that I was in the media. They said, "Would you MC the, the event, the master ceremonies?" I said, "It would be my honor. It would be a great way to honor my wife's grandfather." All of a sudden, I get a phone call. Eli Manning's on board, and we had to meet to go over how to do the speech. And oh my God, what a class act! Like what a, a cool guy. Eli Manning is everything you want him to be like he is that nice and he doesn't get a dime for the charity he does it every year there's two events there's a cocktail event and then the golf tournament he drives around on a golf course meeting every person that plays and he meets he signs their footballs he gives a speech he does this whole to do it's so nice all right so that's how i know eli manning eli manning i will root for till the end of the year when he won the super bowl I'm not a Giants fan per se. I like the Giants, 
I was ecstatic just for him. <laughs> so, all right. So, to, to 2013, this was uh, the summer of 2013. My old radio station in Denver. I used to work in Denver, and I was a beat reporter for the Denver Broncos. And my old radio station calls me. Their midday host was taking his daughter to freshman year of college and was missing for the week. And I have a radio studio, so normally if they ever ask me to do something, I'll do it through my radio studio. But they were like, but it's the opening of Broncos training camp. Would you be up for a road trip? I was like, hell yeah. I'd love to go to Denver for a week. You know, like what what a great time. So I went. Especially that time of year. Yeah. Right. I went to, this was the year, this was the year ultimately that the Broncos played the Seahawks in the New York Super Bowl. Um, but it's the first week, it's the first day of training camp, and I'm out there hosting a show with the Denver Broncos. I I was on Facebook, and Patrick, Eli's friend, is on my Facebook and messaged, hey, how's it going? Just like chit-chat, you know? And I wrote, hey, you're not going to believe this, I'm going to Denver. I'm going to cover the Broncos first week. Oh, cool. That's neat. I'll make sure I tell Eli. Fine. Eli, Patrick tells Eli, Eli tells Peyton. Unbeknownst to me. I show up there. I've got my little credential. I don't know this is coming. I'm sitting in the front row because I don't know anybody. I'm not sitting with anybody. Like I don't live in Denver. I lived in Denver 15 years ago. And I'm sitting there. Peyton Manning is getting ready for his first press conference of training camp. There are NFL Network, ESPN, NBC. Everybody is watching this. And all of a sudden, he sees my little scribbled credential because I don't have one of those printed ones because I don't work there. I was filling in. I had this little script, you know, sharpied uh, Seth Everett written on my credential. Peyton Manning's about to address the media. And sees my credential and goes, well, I'm not speaking if he's here, and walks off. What? <laughs> that was my no. reaction. Oh, my God. Oh my God. What? <laughs> what happened? What did Eli say to Peyton? Peter, oh King, Peter, King, Peter King comes over and goes, what did you do? I go, oh, no, you what are you doing? He let oh me do it for 45 seconds, and then he comes out and goes, ah, just kidding. Eli set me up. Oh, my I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> you forget how funny Peyton is until he does stuff like that. That's the it hilarious. Like, it's a great story. And it was so funny. And the two – like, how do you not root for – like, if you – to your listeners, if you don't have a football team, if you want to root for the New York Giants or the Denver Broncos because of these guys, they are that kind – the, they are those kind of people. I root for people more than – uniforms um and i always find myself and yes i work for the broncos so i have an affinity for them and i i've covered the giants so i have an affinity for them but these guys are such nice people that is one of my all that's my one of my all-time great elon Manning stories it was so funny did he put peyton up to that like did he tell him yeah. to do oh, that it was, totally, or... it was totally patrick told eli <laughs> patrick told eli from facebook eli told peyton peyton and him just said Eli must have said something to the effect of, oh, I told him to blank with him, you know, just to have fun. And I saw Eli at the charity event the next year, and I said, you have got to be kidding me. He's like, <laughs> turns bright red. He goes, oh, yeah, I heard about that. How was that? Huh? <laughs> he goes, did you get a little nervous? Huh? huh? 
That is yeah. so funny. Like, but again, that kind of moment, the average sports fan will never get to have. I mean, think about oh, it. But see, this you is the have, thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. No. 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 I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just love no, to. Cool. I love to tell stories that are stories. I don't tell stories because it was Eli Manning and Peyton Manning. Like. That's not where the story came from. I try to tell the story from a standpoint of that's a funny thing that happened. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think like we forget because I love the Mannings. I love the whole story. I would appreciate Eli a little more if he were not a giant. That's just my own bias. Uh, okay. But I, did, you know, I well, oh, you like the Eagles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. you know, so you know, but I do appreciate Eli. Um, and I appreciate Peyton. So we have a theory at Virginia because we're really hoping that Mike London, our coach, gets fired. And if Peyton happens to retire, Peyton Manning, this is crazy. This is, this is why sports fans are crazy. Um, this is because this is what we talk about at tailgates because we're that desperate for any type of football, anything to happen at Virginia. So Peyton Manning's wife actually graduated from the University of Virginia. So our theory is this, is that Peyton will need to have a couple years of head coaching experience at college level before the NFL calls. So we think he should come to Virginia and do that. Well, there you go. Is that is that not crazy? But then we're like, no, yeah. that could really happen because his wife really likes the area. He's come back and spoken oh, yeah. a couple times at different exercise things, and we would have every great quarterback <laughs> prospect wanting to come to Charlottesville. Seth, this could happen. Like you could put sure, a word into yeah. to Patrick, who will put a word into Eli. Oh yeah, put yeah. A word I'll into get, get right on. Yeah, I'll get right on. Put that, that on yeah, your notes to do. But see, that's why all this happened right here. That is why I'm in my walk. That is why I'm suffering in the walk-in closet, Galpine Nation. In the closet. So that one day, yeah. Pey- Peyton Manning will wear-, wear orange and blue for UVA and lead us to out of mediocrity <laughs> until he abandons sure, us for a better sure, coaching sure. position. I'm sure that'll happen. See, Absolutely. <laughs> you know what, though? If it um, does, then I fully expect you to say that it was my idea. <laughs> yeah, we'll get we'll, we'll give credit to the podcast. Absolutely. Well. It'll it'll be wonderful before before the podcast. Um, the uh, it, and it's very funny because it reminded me of a classic story from back in the day that reminded me of why I rooted for the Denver Broncos in the first place. Um, when I graduated college, I was it was in 1996. My first that summer, my first time I left Syracuse, I was going to work in Syracuse. I I, long story, I wound up getting a new job and I wound up moving to Denver, Colorado. And I lived there and I was the beat reporter for two seasons for the Denver Broncos. In season two, which was the year that the Broncos beat the Packers for Super Bowl 32, if you remember your history, um, Super Bowl 32, I was on the field for that year. And in that game, in that season, uh, Monday Night Football was going to have an Oakland Raiders. Denver Broncos game. And I got hired by Westwood One to get preview sound, preview interviews for the Monday night game. This was the 90s. This is 1997. There is no, you're not sending files via email. Like that didn't happen. So what you had to do is you had to have a cassette. Okay. I'm going way back. You have a cassette and we had to have a separate cassette that got literally uh, Federal Express to New York for them to use the, the, the sound in, in their preview for Monday Night Football. And it was a huge gig. It wasn't even a lot of money, but it was a huge chance to do something on a network level. I was very excited. I had this idea. I was going to use two tapes. And halfway through each interview, I was going to switch the tapes so that there would be the Westwood One tape and the station that I was working for. I had a plan. 
it was in October and I was, uh, I was wearing a windbreaker and I don't know this, but my Westwood one cassette falls out of my windbreaker onto the field. The only person, the only person that knows this or sees this is Pro Bowl future Hall of Fame quarterback John Elway. Oh my gosh. Unbeknownst to me, unbeknownst to me, he saw the tape, physically grabbed it, and put it in his pocket during practice. I don't know this at this point. And about 45 minutes later, practice is wrapping up. Elway is getting ready to address the media in the exact same room that Peyton Manning did his little joke 15 years later. I'm standing there, and like an angel from heaven, John Elway <laughs> reaches into his pocket and goes, here, kid, you drop." I was 24. Here, kid, you drop this. And saves my life. I was like, oh, my God. I was I, like, thank you so much. Oh, my God. And I told that story to my friends. I told that story. I became the hugest Denver Bronco fan from that minute. Like karma. Like I'm a huge believer in karma. Do good things. Good things happen. I watch my name is Earl. And when you think <laughs> about when you think about um, reasons for liking a team, I was like that team's going places. I believe it. I believe in that franchise. And that's the year they won the Super Bowl. And it was crazy. Like that's. That to me is a signature moment in NFL history. The first time the Denver Broncos won a Super Bowl, the first time John Elway won a Super Bowl. What was the missing link? He said he found my cassette on the floor in the practice. <laughs> so you're saying that by him doing this very good deed for you, <laughs> that's why he won the Super Bowl finally. <laughs> it wasn't the yes. fact that he was awesome and that he had, you know, an amazing um, game plan. No, he saved some cassette tape for 24-year-old <laughs> Okay, I was so excited. That's, I was so that's, excited. That sounds like a South Park episode, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, John Elway, John Elway saved my life. I was like, that's so funny. But yeah. And now we've... Those are, <laughs> And now we've come up with the title of this podcast, John Elway Saves that's my Life. <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, it is, and it's very funny. It's very funny because that's the way a lot of times what I find is um, people love to hear stories like that. Like I, somebody asked me recently, like, you should write a book. I said, first of all, I don't know how to write a letter, let alone write a book. I said, but these stories, I think, I think that there's an audience for them. You know, I don't like name droppers. I don't like egomaniacs. I don't have any of that. I resent that kind of life. So I really do believe that I try to entertain, but I'm, I'm trying, like, you're my friend. I'm telling you a story because I think it's funny, not because it's John Elway. And when I think people, if they catch on to that, they really respond to it. So that's why that story gets told a lot because a lot of times the audience whatever audience it is, whether it's at a party or a speaking engagement or somewhere, that story kind of works. And it's just, you know, it's good. It's a good one to hold in your repertoire. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think if John Elway saved anything of mine, I would be telling the world like over and over again, anything, it doesn't matter what it is, cassette tape, but job, life, you never know because it's John Elway for God's sakes. Right, and he's right, fantastic. Right. So right, funny. Right. So Seth, um, if Galpon Nation wants to find out more about you and your many podcasts, because you seem to have oodles of them, you want to talk about a little yeah. bit about those? Sure. I love podcasts. I'm a, I'm a huge believer in them. Um, it's all I listen to. Uh, it, it, podcasting to me is the future. Um, I have said publicly, so I'm not you know, saying anything out of school. I think it's, it's a bigger deal than streaming audio. And I think it's bigger than satellite radio. I think satellite radio is expensive. Podcasts are free. And I think that podcasts to me, you can download them when you want. There's always going to be the need for, you know, the live and urgent, you know, play by play will keep radio stations afloat. Um, I don't think radio stations are going away, but I do think that podcasts are the future. When I got asked by our mutual friend to uh, start hosting my own podcast, I really wanted to, I've always wanted to. It's very funny that the one podcast that I do called the diamond, uh, that's a baseball podcast. Um, that was supposed to be me and Daryl. That, that was the idea. Daryl and I were going to do it once a week. It's sporadic because I need to find guests. And that's hard. You know what I mean? Finding, you know, you know how hard it is. Like yes, finding people. And I'm, I'm trying to find people that are, you know, in the industry, that they're traveling, they're with teams, they're players, they're coaches, they're broadcasters, they're writers, whatever they happen to be. I find them, but it's when they, when, when they call me back, that's when I do the podcast. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, I do know. That's, yeah, you know, um, it's just, it's it's funny. Um, it, the, the, the funny thing about the whole, the whole aspect of that podcast was um, I started doing this project with, with Troy Hawkins, and we're doing it for a company called Sports Blog, and uh, we're, we're pitching it to some other places and, and whatnot. The whole idea is, athletes interviewing other athletes. LaTroy said something to me when Daryl passed um, that really meant a lot to me. Uh, here, you, you guys are watching the baseball playoffs. Go Blue Jays. Here's, here's a good reason. LaTroy told me that one of the things that Daryl gave me credit for was teaching him broadcast. And that meant a lot to me because he never said it while he was alive, you know, and, and that was really, really cool. Long story short, LaTroy asked me to teach him how to do some stuff. So I've done a bunch of podcasts with Troy Hawkins. Um, we had this idea to interview. He was going to interview Vince Scully, um, the legendary broadcaster of the Dodgers. Troy was on the Rockies. I have ties to the Rockies. Troy has been my friend for a long time. We were going to do it where I was going to go to LA when the Rockies were there. I was going to coordinate it, but Troy was going to do the interview a player interviewing a broadcaster. What a, what a concept. And then lo and behold, LaTroy got traded. And uh, now he's on the Blue Jays. And we were like, well, that's oh, not well, happening. Well, that's like, good for him. <laughs> that's good for well, him right, right now. He went from last place. But, but at the time, the, the, the Blue Jays were seven games out. So it was like, cool, yeah. you went into a race. A funny side note on that, he was the best man in a wedding that he couldn't go to because they made the play. And he didn't know that because when the guy made the, when he got the guy made the, you know, the, when the couple made the wedding, he was on the Rockies. What's the freaking difference? He was on the Rockies. Like it would be October. It was a perfect plan. 
so he's on the Blue Jays. And what happened was, long story short, all of these interviews, I got him to interview his old roommate, Tori Hunter. Uh, he interviewed David Price. He interviewed Josh Donaldson. He did all these amazing interviews, and they have been all podcasted. I posted them on Sports Blog. I gave them seven days of exclusivity, and then I got to put them on the podcast. So if you go to the Diamond, a lot of the shows aren't me. They, they're Latroy interviewing an MVP candidate, so it's not like the names aren't, aren't big. Um, the other podcast, real quick, I love the concept. It's called Sports with Friends. It's, it's, it's very simple. Um, it's, it's a play on the, the game uh, Words with Friends. Um, it's a sports podcast. It's something has to be sports related, but the guest has to be a friend. You can't, nice. it, 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 it has to be somebody I know or I like or I've met or a mutual friend introduced us. It won't be. So a perfect example of that one, the reason why originally it was supposed to be Podvid or wanted to call it from the press box. And we started out that way. And then Sports with Friends, the NCAA soccer, no, NCAA, the FIFA soccer scandal. And a buddy of mine that I went to college with uh, covered it for NBC. And I was like, you have to come on. That's perfect. And he's a huge Patriots fan. So, like, we were talking about Sepp Blatter and the scandal, uh, the FIFA scandal. And all I was doing was working in Deflategate references. It was so nice. much fun. <laughs> because just to bust his good chops, just you know, for just, you. just for fun. And so, can I? On a side note, really yeah. fast, not to interrupt you, but can <laughs> I just say to all New England fans, stop whining about Deflategate by now. You are undefeated. You've won a Super Bowl this this and he didn't you know, get just suspended. last year. Right, he, he didn't get suspended. You don't get to whine anymore. You are not oppressed. You are oppressing the rest of us. Shut up. Okay, I'm sorry. Go on. He, he has. He and he was. There was intent to cheat. It's not, it's the, the, the size of it is not the big part. The problem is what's getting overlooked is that there was intent to cheat. Intent to cheat is not something small. And it's why baseball gets held to a different standard. Alex Rodriguez is vilified for everything he does, but he had the same intent to cheat. And it, it, that uh, we can do a separate show. Um, yeah. But anyway, sorry, sorry to get you off anyway, there, but I had to so, get you off. So, sports, so sports with friends, um, where I'm having the acclaimed uh, author Gary Myers um, on. He, he has a new book called Brady versus Manning. It's about the rivalry between Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Um, he's nice. going to be on in the next couple of weeks. We've got, you know, friends of friends that are coming on the podcast. So, so the diamond and sports with friends. And then the last one is uh, it's a labor of love. I've always been a comic book nerd. Um, I'm a huge comic book nerd. And this year I worked for an online network called con TV um, I signed a, a small contract with them and I got to go to a dozen comic book conventions. <laughs> so the podcast is artists and writers and fans and hosts, and it's all superhero, Star Wars-y, Star Trek-y kind of thing. It's called the Hall of Justice. And the reason why it's called that is if you are old enough to know what the Hall of Justice is, you're my demographic. If you literally yeah. go, Hall of yeah. Justice, what's that? I, I, know, not, I know what Hall of Justice is. For you. Right. If you know what Hall of Justice is, you're like, oh, okay. So, for example, we just did a, a Knight Rider podcast. It was like an homage to Knight Rider. Nice. Nobody is doing a Knight Rider podcast right now. Like, that's unique. It's a, it's a new thing. That kind of mentality is what I brought to podcasting. And then the last one is um, 
those are the three that I do. And then the last one that I'm a part of is the Weekend Podcasting, which was the brainchild of uh, Pod Vader and uh, his crew. Uh, they came up with this this neat show to highlight other podcasts. That um, it's a podcast about podcasts, and that's that's a good idea. It's a really unique idea. It's uh, there's a charming young lady that does the show with me, and uh, it's a it's a really fun thing. That that I'm just like the the hired gun on that one. So I you know it's it's not my uh, brainchild. But it's a it's a really fun podcast. Yeah, and they've covered um, former guests who's been on my show, Jonathan Oaks. Um, Trivial Warfare was recently, I think, a couple weeks ago, um, mentioned, and they talked about it. So, and Gal Punisher knows yeah, as I've been on his show now three times. Um, I love that show. Yeah, we uh, we had a lot of we had a lot of fun. Um, yeah, the weekend podcasting is a lot of fun. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's the cool, the people on it, Val and, and Jeff, uh, who, who also are on the show, they're hysterical. And what I just try to do is I just try to stir the pot. I literally just try to find out whatever's hot. It's so funny to me. The other neat thing about podcasts are they don't compete against each other. No one is saying, listen to my podcast over your podcast, over his podcast, over her podcast. Listen to all of them. And listen to them whenever you want. I always joke when I tell my relatives about it, just download it. I don't care if you press play, I get credit for the download. And, and <laughs> it's true. It's true because as long as you're, you know, just all I say is if you, if you ever want to support my work, download the podcast. It's a, it's a great idea. Um, it's free. It's a little bit of data on your phone. Only do it when you're on Wi-Fi. Don't do, see, that's why I don't believe in streaming. You can iHeartRadio me to death. I don't get it. Why would somebody be wasting their data driving in a car to listen to the Beach Boys? It does not make any sense to me. And so, but podcasts make sense to me. I will listen to, like I said, there are probably 20 podcasts. And I was at MSNBC recently, and this woman from Sports Illustrated was telling me that she just got into podcasts. She's like, hey, would you jot down a couple? I said, I can't. I can't do just a couple. <laughs> There's too many. <laughs> like, yeah, you have to listen to this one for comedy and this one for sports and this one for news and this one for this and this one for that. That's what podcasts are. And, you know, anybody who if you've ever thought about doing a podcast, do one. Someone will listen to it. And you know what? Keep doing it, because unless unless it's taking you away from earning money or or taking you away from uh, you know being a parent to your kid or doing your job correctly podcast it's a blast my request is yet you do it in an office or a living room or a kitchen <laughs> i think that if you're out of your mind you do it in a closet because let's face it don't you think by 2015 you can come out of the closet by now <laughs> no i tried to do it in my bedroom but it, i was more comfortable in the closet what can i say <laughs> Seth, if more comfortable in a closet was- than a, than a you are more comfortable yeah. in a closet than, <laughs> really? Oh my goodness. I just do it. Pivator told me to go into a closed room. This is the smallest room in my house that had buffer. So I look, look what Podvader tells me to do, I do for the most part. Oh my goodness. I don't want anybody to get any ideas. I'm my going, you told the girl to go in a closet. <laughs> you should, you should do that. He's going to respond with what? Stop it. <laughs> Well, you're um, going to turn this into a video cast one day, and people are going to be like, oh, I like the blouse in the back. 
it's funny. There's this great um, platform called Blab. Um, and I had my buddy, Mark um, Asquith, and I were doing a Blab one day. And he looked behind me because I was doing the closet. And he goes, are those boots hanging behind you? I'm like, well, yes, those are a pair of my boots. Did you so want funny. to see them? And he did. So we took them down and we looked at the boots. So, you yes. Put, like, you should put, like, really risque things just hanging around <laughs> the back going, yep, that's what I do. Ha, <laughs> I should have like whips and chains and things like that. Yep. Like, you know. Oh my God, that would be hysterical. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. All right, Steph, <laughs> if anybody else from Galpal Nation wants to follow you on Twitter and talk about oh, sports or various things in closet, where would where where should they go? Yes, we're very closeted here. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I love Twitter. Twitter's a lot of fun. You, you, I, I adore Twitter. Um, me I too. I have great Twitter stories. Um, I'm at <laughs> Seth underscore Everett. Um, at Seth underscore Everett, um, it, I have to have the underscore because the guy who has at Seth Everett, I think he's a terrorist. Um, (laughs) he has like 35 followers and I don't know what the hell he's tweeting about. Sometimes it's not even in English. And I, I, cause I used to want it. I, I, at first I wanted it, but I, and this is going to sound very strange, but I got that email that says you're verified. Once I got verified, you can't change it. So now I don't want to change it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I want to keep it just the way it is. But I'm at Seth underscore Everett. Uh, follow me on Twitter. Hang out. I, I, I love doing Twitter. Um, you want one quick story? I can make you laugh. I, it'll, it'll make yeah, go ahead. Fun. Go ahead. All right. I'll, I'll, do, I'll do one sports one and one non-sports one. Um, my favorite tweets are when my second daughter was born. It was the wintertime. And I used to take her to the mall and put her in the stroller and walk up and down the strip of the mall so that she'd fall asleep. And I would do it on the afternoon, like if my wife had errands to run or something going on with my other daughter, I would just go. And the Devils were playing the Flyers and an afternoon game in Philadelphia. And I was working for the Phillies. But people in Philadelphia assume that if you like one of their teams, you have to like all of their teams. And I hate the Flyers with a passion i despise the flyers and the devils are playing the flyers and after two periods of play the devils were leading i think it was five nothing and all i tweeted was every one of those goals feels great that's all i wrote and i got you're a traitor you're not one of us (laughs) (laughs) all this venom because how could the phillies guy like how could a guy in his bio like i put you know work for the phillies and how could a Phillies guy like like not like the Flyers? It was it was, it was hysterical. The other one, the other uh, favorite one was, you remember when Whitney Houston died? Yes. With, this was my most retweeted thing. Whitney Houston died. The funeral was about ten minutes from my house. It just oh no in New Jersey in New Jersey the funeral was like ten minutes from my house, and the story was that Bobby Brown left. He's, his daughter is sobbing because the mom died, but he left. And I said, as a father, that offends me. So what I tweeted was, in order to properly punish Bobby Brown, I'm officially deleting my prerogative off of my iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> that got retweeted 600 times. Like, <laughs> wow. yeah, it was, it was like my prerogative, de- you know, delete it from your iPhone. Like I had... I had to do that. Those are my two favorite, my favorite examples of Twitter. 
I, I got to prove Scott um, Van Pelt wrong once on Twitter. That was fun. That's um, cool. It was when no, it was when Maryland was um, leaving the ACC, and I do not miss them at all. Um, glad Syracuse is there. Glad Maryland's gone, banished, be gone. Big Ten problem. So it was the last time they played um, at Virginia's home ter- um, stadium, which is John Paul Jones Arena. And the, the students were chanting ACC, ACC as we were beating them. Well, he tweets, well, you know, if you were offered the money that we were offered, you'd leave too. And I'm like, we built an entire arena with cash. We're good. We don't need the money. And he goes, and he couldn't say anything after that because I'm like, because it's true. So that's my one, like, fun Twitter moment. That and Josh Elliott told me he loved me. So, you know, other than those wow. things, you know, Twitter, I know. Oh, my gosh. That? Can I? I love Josh Elliott like nobody's business. Like when he left wow. Good Morning America, I left Good Morning America. He knows this. He's perfectly okay with that. I know he's married. I'm okay with that. My husband okay. knows I, I'm right. graduating him. Yeah, That's no, no. Okay. Like you our morning meeting. Me- Nobody will know. Oh my gosh, I don't even want to think about that. Like that just is too. Like him on my podcast would be fantastic. Like I don't oh, know if I could goodness. get through the episode without being like ever so dreamy. Because I love me some Josh Elliott. <laughs> I'm just never feeling so much. He's like, I'm never yeah, going on a podcast. She's crazy. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so I'm like, but um, he's very adorable. He's very dishy, Seth. Oh my gosh. Have you not seen the man? You probably have seen him in real life. You know, he's Josh he's Elliott, for God's sake. I don't, I don't know. He, I don't get it. I'm I'm sorry. They're, they're all repulsive. It, it makes no sense to no, me. No, not Josh Elliott. No, no. I miss him and Sam Champion and Good Morning America so much. So, so much. <laughs> so I stopped watching um, and switched back to Sports Center. Yeah, my that, other, those are my, my two. other Twitter one. My other Twitter oh, yeah. one was um, was uh, in 2011. I was working for the Phillies, and the Phillies had a, tw- a Sunday night game against, ironically, all teams, the Mets. And it was the night that the United States captured and killed Osama bin Laden. Oh, that was my and, birthday, May 1st. Oh, there you go. And yeah. it was a Sunday night game, and I remember being in the press box, and all the the media relations people were like, do not report this. Do not say this on the air. You'll cause a riot. Like, you don't don't say a word. And I had done pregame. We didn't know when I did pregame. But during the course of the game, it was revealed. And it was all over Twitter. And no one had said anything. They didn't put it on the scoreboard. The announcers didn't say anything. The TV announcers didn't say anything. Nobody said a word. But it was on Twitter. And all of a sudden, in like the fourth or fifth inning, they started chanting USA, USA. This was because of Twitter. I always say this is Twitter's greatest night. Social media got 45,000 people to start chanting something because yeah. that was their access. Like that was the only way they could know it. I, I stand by this. This is That was absolutely Twitter's greatest night. It's when I became a complete believer. I truly thought it was amazing. What was going on? Nobody had said anything. It was only on social media, and it was it was remarkable. That's a cool story, and yeah, I completely completely agree. Seth, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. You've been absolutely terrific. You're definitely probably no. I'm going to claim it. You are the funniest guest I've had. Um, All right, and that makes what you really are. I mean, and my I didn't face even tell the dirty so jokes much. about the closet that I had. I held them up. <laughs> I can't get a punishment. Any idea how much restraint is required for me? 
<laughs> I bet. I bet. Galpal Nation, if you want to check out Steph again, all of the links to his all of his shows um, and to his network on Blog Talk Radio will be on my show notes at blogtalkradio.com forward slash sports galpal. And of course, um, his links to Twitter so that you can um, ask him fun. And, you know, maybe between all of you guys and him, you guys will get me out of the closet. You know, I'm working on getting my own studio, but it takes time and, you know, effort. So baby steps. I have to, you know, pay the dues, too. You had to do it by losing, you know, audio cassettes on Denver Stadium. I had to do it by sitting in a closet. Seems perfectly reasonable to me. (laughs) Thank you so much, Seth. Anything in a closet. No, no, haven't, haven't. Thank you so much. Seriously. uh, Thank you so much. And I, I really appreciate you having me. It was fun. Thanks for listening to the Sports Gal Pal podcast. And be sure to check out sportsgalpal.com.